Good morning. Welcome to Easter Sunday at the Church of the Palms. My name is Joe Dan and I serve as an elder in our congregation. Christ has risen and we rejoice and we are glad in it. Let us bow our heads as we pray and celebrate his resurrection. God of mercy, we no longer look for Jesus among the dead for he is alive and he has become the Lord of life. From the waters of death, you raise us with him and renew your gift of life with us. Increase in our minds and hearts the risen life we share with Christ and help us to grow as your people toward the fullness of eternal life with you. Through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now as we worship this Easter Sunday morning, let our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? And we invite you after the call to worship and when you get ready to sit down after our first hymn to squeeze in as much as you can because there's still a few folks out there who would love to sit inside this sanctuary. Join me in our responsive call to worship. Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Who now will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The Lord is risen.
the prayer of adoration that is printed in your bulletin. With thanksgiving, praise, and joy, we worship you, marvelous God. How amazing is all your creation. How glorious is this day of new life. Come among us now, we pray to raise us up from our fears and doubts and perplexity. We want to believe. We want to trust. We want to dare. We want to live. Touch us today with a spirit of hope that our discipleship may honor Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord is risen. And as believers down through the ages have professed their faith, let us say the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now why don't you turn and say hi to someone new today.
Good morning. morning. Happy Easter, everybody. It's great to see you all here this morning. Hello, everybody there in the back, outside. We love you. We love you. A couple extra seats right over here if you want. It is great to be here. It is so wonderful. This is a beautiful day. We had a wonderful gathering out on the beach this morning at 6.30 before the sun rose. Around over a thousand or so folks there. So it was great to see the pelicans diving into the Gulf of Mexico and to see the sun come up in the east. We're so grateful and it was a beautiful day and we thank all that made that possible. And we are glad that you are here with us today. We are grateful for those people in the orange vest that help you find a parking space today. Give them a big round of applause, yes. And thankful as well for our buildings and grounds crew that have made this campus of ours outside of the construction zone behind us uh, into a beautiful, beautiful place. So give them a round of applause too, would you? So it is a great day and we hope that you will uh, find this to be a place of warmth and welcome, especially if you're visiting with us today. Perhaps you've come from far away and we hope that you will find Church of the Palms to be your home away from home, at least today, if not every time you are back here in Sarasota. And uh, we're delighted to see old friends and we will be especially delighted to see uh, old friends and new friends next Sunday. We'll be celebrating our 60th anniversary as a congregation and we will be doing that with a special service uh, next Sunday at 10 o'clock. One service, 10 o'clock. Did you hear me? One service at 10 o'clock next week, and uh, we'll be gathered up, we'll fill this place up, and we will rejoice in the 60 years that we've had together as a congregation. So come and join us. This coming Wednesday, we invite you to join us over in the Campus Center, where we'll have a special dinner with all of our Wycliffe translator missionaries who will be here to talk about their great work in the world, and we're delighted to have them. And so come and join us at five o'clock for dinner and for a chance to hear from them. We are delighted with the uh, continued progress of our Open Palms campaign, especially for the construction that is slowly getting started. And uh, we hope that it will begin in full earnest again this coming Monday. So we are delighted and we are grateful for all of you who have contributed to make that possible. We have a special anthem uh, immediately after these announcements and we'll invite you to be a part of that. So take note of that in your bulletin. You'll see the last verse. You'll be invited to sing along as we enjoy uh, together and celebrate together this day of resurrection. Let's continue our worship.
Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, on this Easter morning, we rejoice in Christ's resurrection. We thank you for giving us eyes to see and hearts to believe that Christ is risen. We thank you that in his rising, darkness and evil are undone, our sins are forgiven, and light rules our lives. We give you praise, O God, that Jesus is Lord, and that in your grace we are counted as your children, sisters and brothers of Christ. We rejoice that in following Jesus, we are the body of Christ, his church in this world. Great God, in our Easter joy, we confidently ask for your mercy. Give your aid to those who struggle with poverty, hunger, intimidation, injustice, and oppression. Give your healing grace to those who are ill in body, soul, and mind, we pray. Comfort the grieving, guide the confused, safeguard those who serve us and defend us. As we freely celebrate Easter, we remember our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. We pray for your blessing of safety and freedom to worship you and to practice their faith. Bless leaders of the church and all missionaries, we pray. Give visions of peace to those who lead us in these difficult times. O Lord, give us, we pray, the gifts to be the witnesses of your gospel. Help us to grasp the full depth of joy in the fullness of life you intended for us. 
Keep us faithful in our discipleship, we pray. God of grace, call us to be as merciful and caring in serving others as you have been with us. Loving God, let us so love you and love our neighbor that we might be the most loving place in town. Now we bring all our prayers spoken and unspoken to you in the name of our risen Lord who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us give thanks to God and worship God through the giving of our tithings and offerings.
With a thankful heart, Lord, on this great day, we come to bring our gifts. We are thankful for so many things. No stone held you back. No darkness blocked out the light of your resurrection. You opened the door of life to us, and we in turn open our door's heart to you in graciousness to your wonderful gift and in thankfulness for your sacrifice and your victory. Help us, Lord, to celebrate this day knowing that the risen Savior lives in all of our hearts, and we give you thanks for the wonderful gift. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. We're going to ask all the children uh, in the congregation, that is 12 and under, uh, to come forward, and Carol is going to lead us in a children's story. We got a lot of kids today. It's so exciting. And if you have a child and you're visiting, send them up. We're, we have um, a children's moment up here, and then we'll go upstairs right here, Maddie, right this way. You can sit right here, Davis. Okay, we're going to line up this way. And then after the children's moment, we go straight upstairs to room 205. We have a special treat for you. You can have a seat. And we have live chicks. Make sure you guys are in line here. Right here, right here. Ben, Gabe, Nate. No, can you scoot back? Right here, we're lining these kids up. They had made something special. We've been learning about Easter this month and what it means. And we have, yep, right here. Can you scooch over? We're trying to line up. All right, come on in. There's lots of us. Come on, guys. Hey. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. Have a seat. Here you go, Owen. Hi, guys. Everybody looks so nice. Happy Easter, your Easter dress. <laughs> so we're going to ask you a question. What is your favorite thing about Easter? Anybody? What is it? Foxy corns? Wow, what's that? That sounds good. It's a fox. It's a fox, unicorn horn, and wings. Oh my goodness, crazy! That's that outdoes the Easter Bunny. Over here, John. What do you like? What's your favorite? Hunting eggs. Hunting eggs. Cynthia. Eating candy. Eating candy. What else? Come on, I'm still waiting for it. What else? What's your favorite thing? Seeing your family. Wait, what? What did he say? Seeing your family. Seeing your family. What would you say here? Um, uh, little chicks. Little chicks. <gasps> what do you like? Um, I like spending time with my family. Spending time with your family. I love that. So you know what? My, I haven't heard it yet. You know my favorite thing? What's your favorite thing? Chocolate bunnies. Oh, you stole mine. That's my favorite thing, chocolate bunnies. But you know, chocolate bunnies. But you know what, guys? There would... um. There wouldn't be any chocolate bunnies if it weren't for one thing. In fact, there wouldn't be Easter egg hunts or Easter baskets or jelly beans or any of those great Easter flowers, any of that great stuff if it wasn't for one thing. Does anybody know what that one thing is? Just one thing, one word. What do you think? When Jesus rose again, oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so let's see. What is the one thing hold, that we've show, worked on? Hold on. Jesus, right, good, hold him up high. 
So, and Jesus came and he did. He died on the cross for us, for our sins, so that we could have new life in him and everlasting life. So, after that, what did Jesus do that was so important on Easter? Guys, is, what you got? Let's see, hold them up high, come on! Exclamation point, what does it say? All right, let's say it together. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed, amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, to teach us how to love and to live, but most importantly, that he gives us new life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, good job. Come on in. seated. 
Our scripture this morning is from Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Hear the good news. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still looking sad. And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know these things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, what things? And they replied, well, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures and as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, stay, saying, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? In the same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, the Lord has arisen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray that we would discover once again the good news of this story, that we may discover once again the risen Christ in our midst, that we may discover once again new life for ourselves. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. About a year ago, I had the chance to sit on a federal jury up in Tampa. For my entire adult life, I rested comfortably with the assurance that not lawyers never select pastors for juries because we're too nice. <laughs> Evidently, I don't look very nice. And I got picked, even ended up as the foreman, so I must not really be nice, I'll tell you that. It was a five-day trial, product liability. We had to deem whether a certain product was deficient and the cause of some house damage. 
It was a very technical case, high above my pay grade. Experts from all over the country were brought in to testify about the materials and the physics and the atmospheric conditions. And we, were on, we on the jury were left to discern the veracity of the testimony and the strength of the case brought by the prosecution against the defense. It was five of the most interesting days of my life, and it will take an entire sermon to explain that last sentence. But one of the reasons it was interesting to me was because it was not a slam dunk case. Questions hovered, some never adequately answered, the field of evidence had been compromised, and like in most trials, I suppose, we jurors were left to judge not only the substance of the evidence, but the integrity of the testimony. And when we went to deliberations, we jurors did not all agree. It wasn't 12 angry men, but it, but it took a while to get us onto the same page. Now, since this trial happened last year, just a few days after Easter, it got me to thinking about the story that I had just preached upon and upon which I'm preaching today, the resurrection of Jesus. How would the resurrection of Jesus stand up in court? If you and I were sitting on a jury, how would we weigh the evidence? How would we judge the integrity of the testimony? Because at best, the gospel writers paint for us a pretty confusing scene. The shadows of an early morning, one moment a closed tomb, the next moment an empty tomb, and then the next moment gravestone closed strewn about, and another moment the tomb occupied by two visitors dressed in white asking what all the crying's about. And then a man wandering by who looks like the gardener in John's Gospel and then all of a sudden looks like Jesus. And all this testimony offered by a woman with tears in her eyes and who is reported to have once been possessed by seven demons. There are holes in this story big enough through which to drive a Mack truck. And no iPhone videos of Jesus reaccommodating himself. So call to the witness stand the further corroboration of the two men in our story this morning, the two travelers to Emmaus. Perry Mason could very well have had them for lunch. <laughs> so, gentlemen, he asks, you say you were walking down the road and a man joined you, but you did not recognize him? Yes. Oh, you, you say you talked to him for quite a while and you did not recall his voice? Uh, yes. Uh, you say you ex he explained to you the teachings of the Old Testament and pointed you to the resurrection of the Messiah, and yet you still did not put two and two together, uh, yes, and you say it wasn't until you had dinner together later that night and he took, blessed, broke, and gave you the bread that finally your eyes were opened, uh, uh, yes, and now you're expecting us to count on you to believe this testimony that you now know that the dead man Jesus is alive, uh, yes, I have no further questions, Your Honor. Let's be honest, no prosecuting attorney with his or her, worth his or her salt could not pull out of the story a reasonable doubt. Too many shadows, too many tears, too many unanswered questions. The whole thing just would not hold up in court. But of course, it never was supposed to hold up in court. If the gospel writers had been concerned about something holding up in court, they would have written a very different story. The sun would have been high up in the sky. The angels would have waited for Mary to get there before they rolled the stone away. 
Jesus would have appeared with a name tag on that would said, hi, my name is Jesus. <laughs> and of course, Mary would have no tears in her eyes because she would have just sort of taken this, all this rather matter-of-factly. Oh, hey, Jesus, where you been? And those travelers to Emmaus would have recognized him right from the start. But you know, that's not how resurrections occur. Resurrections are confusing. They are surprising. They are tearful. They are unsettling. They are often the last thing we expect. And at the end of the day, all that Mary and those men can say after having been cross-examined by the throngs is, I can't explain the shadows, I can't explain the stone, I can't explain the angels, I can't explain the gardener, I can't explain the breaking of the bread, but this I know, I heard the voice, I felt the presence, I saw the movement, and I know he's alive. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what holds up in court. What matters is what holds up in here. What matters is I heard the voice. I felt the presence. I saw the movement. And I know he's alive. That has always been the witness of the church. Individuals like you and me saying, I've heard the voice. I've felt the presence, I've seen the movement, and I believe the testimony of those who were there, and I know he's alive. It was the witness of Mary, of Thomas, of Peter, of Paul, of the, of the men walking to Emmaus, of the 500 who witnessed his appearing. It may not hold up in court, all of them say, it may not hold up in court, but it holds up in here. It holds up inside of me. When I was 14 years old, my parents took me to what was then the Soviet Union. It was the height of the Cold War, the Berlin Wall still an impenetrable fortress. We passed through Checkpoint Charlie into East Berlin, and then from there flew to Moscow and then on to what was then Leningrad. It made for another series of the most interesting days of my life. And what struck me as a 14-year-old behind the Iron Curtain was all the empty churches. All the empty churches and cathedrals. Religion had been outlawed padlocks on cathedral doors, beautiful multi-dome Byzantine houses of worship vacated, turned into museums. And if you were a social scientist, the evidence may have pointed you to render the verdict that God was dead, that Jesus was dead, his beautiful mansions empty of any trace of God's presence. But of course, such a social scientist would have been dead wrong because he would have been looking in all the wrong places. He had missed the very place where the risen Jesus abides. He abides inside his people, inside the caverns of people who quietly back then were saying their prayers and paying homage to their icons and singing their doxologies in secret. On that first Easter morning, a startled woman staggers from the shadows of a cemetery and from the bottom of her heart preaches the first Christian sermon, I have seen the Lord. And then echoes come from those two perplexed travelers, we have seen the Lord too. 
Father Gregory Boyle, author of one of the better books I've read called Tattoos on the Heart, tells of the time when he was a young, wet-behind-the-ears novice priest and was sent to Bolivia to serve the people there. And so with broken Spanish, the young priest went, and he struggled there to make a difference. And he tells of a time when he was asked to go up into the mountains to a village to, a, to be with a tribe of people who had not seen a priest in over a decade. So the young Father Boyle went, and on his way up the mountain, he realized that he had forgotten his service book, the book that he had to have in order to conduct Mass. So not only did he not know enough Spanish, he didn't even have the liturgy to limp through. So he arrived at the village and stumbled through the liturgy as best as he could, making up things as he went and quoting as much scripture as he could remember on the fly. And at the end of it all, felt like quite the sham, felt devastated from the experience, humiliated, and felt like the worst priest walking the planet. And as he gathered his belongings to make the dejected track back down the mountain, he looks across the empty field ahead, and an old man he sees walking across the field toward him. He appears ancient, Boyle writes, but I suspect his body has been weathered by work and the burden of an Indian's life. As he nears me, I see he is wearing tethered wool pants, a, a white button shirt, greatly frayed at the collar. He has a rope for a belt. His suit coat is coarse and worn. He has a fedora tuffed by the, toughened by the years. He is wearing sandals, and his feet are caked with Bolivian mud. And any place that a human face can have wrinkles and creases, he has them. He is at least a foot shorter than I, and he stands right in front of me and says, Gracias por haber venido. Thank you for coming. And before I can speak, Boyle continues, the old man reaches into the pockets of his suit coat and retrieves two fistfuls of rose petals, multicolored rose petals, and he's on the tip of his toes, and he drops the petals over my head. He digs into his pockets again and manages two more fistfuls and drops them again and again and again. And the stores of red, pink, and yellow petals seems infinite. And I just stand there and let him do this, staring at my own sandals now moistened with my tears covered with rose petals. Finally, he takes his leave and I'm left there alone with only the bright aroma of roses. Boyle concludes, for all the many, many times I would return to the village and see the same villagers over and over, I never saw the old man again. I heard the voice, I felt the presence, I saw the movement, I smell the roses. I know he's alive. 45 years ago, during the throes of the Vietnam War, several South Vietnamese civilians, men, women, children, huddled close in their pagoda, seeking shelter from the raging war outside. But then came the plains, and then came the napalm, and then came the fire that consumed their dwelling, killing many of them instantly and sending one of them, a nine-year-old girl, Kim Fook, badly burned, running for her life. 
Many of us remember the picture of her running in terror and tears along with other children out of her village and down the road. For years she continued to run. Her life has been running from months in the hospital to years in an orphanage to a time in Cuba to political exile in Newfoundland to the refuge and hospitality of Canadian Quakers. I don't know where and when it happened, but somewhere along the way, amidst the confusion and the shadows of her own life, amidst the unbearable pain, the risen one appeared. The risen Christ appeared. Somewhere along the way, she heard the voice, felt the presence, saw the movement. It may explain how this victim of war could stand in, of all places, the American Vietnam War Memorial, as she did years ago, and said, I forgive you. Oh, I suppose you could bring evidence of her life to court, the pictures and the scars, and get a jury to say about that particular day, there is no God. But Kim Phuc knows better. Startled and staggering from the shadows of her own cemetery, she preaches her sermon. I've heard the voice. I have felt the presence. I have seen the movement. I have seen the Lord. And that, my friends, is what Easter is about. Amidst the darkness of the shadows, the pool of tears in our eyes, startled and confused, despite even evidence to the contrary, in the end, it's in here. It holds up in here. We have heard the voice. We have felt the presence. We have seen the movement. He is alive. We have seen the Lord.
invite you to remain where you are to listen to the choir sing the hallelujah chorus. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore, world without end and life without end. Amen. Yeah.